0: and pledge a monthly contribution, even just $2 a month, would be a huge encouragement.
1: Hi and welcome to Mad Beef, the Australian Rollerblading Podcast. I'm Mikey Lynch and in this episode I want to talk about some advice on running events. That's um, part of feeding the culture, feeding the community, growing the sport and just having fun is um, organising events of one kind or another. We're hopefully going to be hearing a bit more about some events coming up in Australia um, very soon, but um, ranging from competitions uh, to um, launches of things, you know, related to podcasts or brands or whatever, through to... um, uh, just going on like a skating trip or tour or camping trip. There's a great um, article, I think on BMAG or somewhere, by Frank Stoner about organising a skating trip. That's pretty good. Um, uh, through to like just some kind of exhibition or something like this. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things you might be organising. Um, and it's part of the, the growing muscle of our sport is the adulting capacity as the sport's aged. And we've got this, now this, this, Deep bench of people who've been doing it for ages and can absorb the organizing of things and the financing of things. In some ways, it gets easier that stuff the more you just have to do it uh, as an adult, as a professional, as a parent, all that kind of thing. Um, and then that spills back over into uh, into blading. Um, and so, you know, this is really celebrating and unpacking just how massive it is when people do organise things and gives you a a kind of a view behind the curtain, you know, uh, in terms of the behind the scenes, how hard it is to do. Um, This is also, uh, you know, a bit of a a roadmap and encouragement for others to step up and maybe be inspired to go, hang on, I could organise something. I could organise a little competition where I am or a tour. I'll get together a bunch of skaters and we'll go on a tour and do this, that and the other. Um, Or just an exhibition thing as a part of a community festival that's already happening. We could try and get something together and showcase some skating, Um, all this kind of stuff. Um, But in the last place, maybe this is also kind of, throwing out some little ideas um, on the areas where those who are already doing stuff um, could do it smarter, quicker, easier. Because one of the sad things is that people who do things pour so much into it, you know, their heart and soul, but they so make themselves uh, like the non-negotiable, non-expendable centre of it all that it... It kills them. And when they've had enough, the whole thing evaporates behind them because it all is just bound up with them and their drive. Um, And, uh, you know, we do that because we don't know any better. Um, We do that because it feels easier to do it if we do it ourselves. We do it because um, we feel guilty about asking others to do it, uh, help us. We do it because um, we have high standards and we don't trust others to do things well. Um, we do it that way. The funny thing is I, I've also noticed that people who might even be quite skilled at planning and delegation in their professional lives, when it comes to their personal lives, like, or, you know, hobbies, recreations, blading, suddenly they kind of almost have this lobotomy and they forget all the things or don't bother or shortcut all the things that they would normally do in the working part of their lives and, and by actually... Uh, Taking a break from doing things properly, it feels like it's easier, but it, and sometimes it is, but often it comes back to bite you because those systems and processes from your workplace actually are there for a reason, and they do in the end work better. You know, um, there's, a, there's a bunch of reasons why this kind of stuff happens. Um and I think even in some situations, the culture can be that people actually undercut doing things thoughtfully because they go, oh, this is overly professional, it's inauthentic, it's too intense. Um, and so there can even be a sabotage from others. You're trying to draw in to do something, uh, to try and keep it casual. Um, but like I've always said with church, you know, moving a church out of a church facility and into a house church doesn't remove... The burden of rosters and organization, it just imputes it onto the hosts in the house church. And so, in the same way, moving something from an organization or an association to an informal thing doesn't remove the need to organize and the burden of jobs and, and, and delegation. It just, in a sense, imputes it on the people who are too dumb to say yes and <laughs> just get lumped with it all. So, it actually can be this, this abdication of responsibility and, and wanting to just dump it on others all masked up as being casual and informal alright so um, the way I I mean there's a few ways to go at this and and so I'm just really going to throw out some ideas we could come back to this topic because there's a lot around event management and promotion and stuff that's worth chewing over and being conscious of Um, but I just want to look at it from two angles in this this little episode Um, the first angle I want to look at it from is again the value just the value of delegation Um, and the relationship between delegation and organisation. So that's that's the first thing. Um, And just in a sense, it's it's the underlying value of organising stuff sustainably and well. Um, And it's a thing that some people just do naturally and other people, it's just a real game changer. And that is, um, if you're organising a competition, a tour, a camping trip, an exhibition, starting some kind of little company or podcast or whatever, um, you must shift from a mindset of it's easy just to do it all myself, it's better if I do it all myself, it's my idea so I have to do it all myself. Um, shifting from I should only not do it myself if I really can't manage it, you know. Um, shift from that mindset to instead of mindset of going actually it's better if I share the load And draw others in. On so many levels it's better. Even if I could do it on myself, there are advantages, even a little bit, to drawing others in. (laughs) If others share the responsibility, just on the basic level, they own it more. You know, if you organise a a blading trip and you're the driver of the whole thing or a a Wednesday night city skate and you're the only person driving it... um, uh, then everyone else, even if they don't like the idea because they don't have a stake in it, they don't own shares in it, they don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, that there's, there's not as much incentive to get around it, whereas if they're a co-owner in the idea, then it actually builds ownership, morale, commitment. Um, secondly, just others bring other things, different insights, different connections, relationships, skills. If you do it by yourself, you're limited by yourself. Um, uh, doing it all yourself. Often those things are doable when the idea is new and fresh. You can do it all yourself and you carve out space. Um, but, I mean, part of the way I built this podcast and the way the logo wasn't the most sexy thing to begin with and the sound quality of those early episodes are terrible and things like this, and, 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 and some of the episodes are really short, part of it was going, I made this really conservative estimate of what capacity I had in my life and when I can't deliver it on hour long episodes and a highly polished program, uh, if I do that, I might start that way and it will then, I'll stop. I want to be doing it in two years' time, three years' time, four years' time, five years' time, maybe, you know? And so I need to build it in a way that's sustainable for that kind of length of time. Um, and so by building something up with some structure and delegation actually means that it's not all dependent on you and it's not dependent upon you being motivated and enthused by it being a new thing um uh delegating with others um assures sustainability because it means that there are others who know how the thing works from the get-go and so if you quit leave are unable to do it it doesn't all rest on you but others get it and can pick it up and carry it um uh yeah i mean the, the list goes on there's just so many and so the mindset shift is going um Part of what you bring when you initiate a new idea is you actually have brought something out of nothing. There was no idea, and you've created an idea. Don't see that as a small thing that you go, I just came up with the idea, now I'm getting other people to do my dirty work. But instead go, actually... No one else had the idea, or they had the idea, and didn't do anything about it. I'm, by going from zero to one, I'm bringing something into existence. That's a contribution. And then by managing and steering and owning the idea, that's not just nothing. That's not just um, lazy manager silliness. Someone's got to own it. A lot of people don't want to own things. They're happy to help, but they don't want to own it. Um, and so by you saying oh, I'm going to own the idea and drive the idea even if others do a lot of the work or even most of the work that's a role that's a really needed role we need people who actually come up with ideas and implement the ideas and oversee the delivery of the ideas um, and that's that's a big emotional imaginative psychological load uh, yeah so embrace that that's a genuine contribution um, and that it it then takes time to organise and inspire and love and engage and draw in others. And this is the link between delegation and organisation. To love people well over time, you've got to be organised. You've got to, so you've got to remember someone's birthday. You need a system for that. It's not more genuine to um, uh, spontaneously rely on your memory to wish someone happy birthday. No, no. If you love people, you write down their birth dates put it as a recurring event. Um, Consistent things you need to do for another person, you put it in your calendar, you remember over time, you write down the kind of flowers or gifts they like, whatever it is. Um, Loving people and caring for people requires organisation and definitely delegating to people. It's, it's It's a poor leader who says, I just set a vision and just let people spontaneously respond to the vision. Oh, that's, that's really going to limit the impact of your leadership. Whereas if you have a vision and then put a skeleton, a scaffolding and 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 sketch it all, it gives something, trellis for the thing to grow along. And then you tend um, the vision and, and steer it and, and feed it and, and and keep it on track. Through organisation, you're going to actually be able to do more. You're going to lift up people, not just who are able off their own bat to do things with a little direction, but people who could do great things with a lot of help, and you can help them. That's my first big category, just think about delegation and organisation. And my second way in on organising things um, that I want to talk about is um, uh, is in a way by thinking about <laughs> the different documents you need that are really the different ways of thinking about the thing you're doing. Now, I'm just going to take a sip of coffee. I know it's gross for people to eat and drink on podcasts, but um, bear with me. Here we go. Okay. Um, Sorry about that. Um, uh, That, um, uh, As you think about the different kind of documents you need to manage as part of managing an event or enterprise, that helps you think about the things you need to organise and out of that the things you need to share. So the first thing I think really helps in organising, and often people don't do because they just worry things into existence, is just the master document. I think that is just, again, a game changer, a time saver, a help to others. This is the document where you have the name, the URL, the social media URLs, uh, the dates, the vision, the key people, the key costs. Uh, You know, it's just this one thing, it might only be a page long, it might be four pages long but it's, it's just the thing that has everything that you can share with everybody who's involved in the thing and that's the thing that you update, that if the date changes, you update that document as well as the poster, as well as the Facebook event, but you update that first. That's the source of truth from which everything comes. As a, as a, a lifesaver and I've been involved in so many things that don't have that. That's the first thing. Um, second thing, you need your budget. <laughs> your forecast, um, income... Forecast expenses, um, uh, and what can help you, really, really help you, is um, uh, is you've got a you've got a benchmark how many people will be involved. You know, do a bit of research to try and guess similar types of things. Don't just go off. Dreamy visions, you know, get some reference points. What are other things? How many people come to a skateboarding competition in your town? And then you know, go down from that. Um, and then I reckon it's really helpful to budget for what you think you'll get 10%, 20% higher, 10%, 20% lower, because you want to be prepared for the worst, 20% lower, and you want to prepare for wild success, 20% higher. So um, another thing that's helpful in the budget, especially for something that's ongoing, is tracking the difference between the ongoing expenses and the once-off expenses. So there are some things you'll have to pay every year. There are some things that are one-off setup up fees. I do buying a gazebo if you need that, or a microphone, you know. It's a once-off expense, but in a sense it becomes cheaper the longer you do the thing because it pays for itself. Um, uh, so the once-off expenses, the, the ongoing expenses, Um uh, and then within the ongoing expenses, you want to track the fixed costs and the variable costs. That is, there are some things that are per-person costs. The more people get involved in the thing, the more food you need, the more it costs. There are other things that are fixed costs. So up to a certain number, if you hire a bus or a caravan, it's just going to cost the same amount, whether you have three people come um, or 15. You know what I mean? So... Um, so that's just, again, really helpful to know because um, adjusting a variable cost will have a, a multiplier effect if you can cut, cut a variable cost, whereas cutting a fixed cost is only of, of limited benefit to you, um, in a sense. you see what I mean? So that's helpful with budget stuff. Um, uh, and then what I think is helpful is to have a sense of the, the broad areas of the thing Um, the broad project the broad briefs um, to sort of go what are the types of roles that need to be done and again have one document might be in the master document, might be separate, that kind of, in a sense, gives you this bird's-eye view. It's kind of like an org chart, really, I guess, where you go, someone needs to think about money, someone needs to think about sponsors, someone needs to think about safety, someone needs to think about travel, someone needs to think about food, someone needs to think about promotion, someone needs to think about um, judging, someone needs to think about participants. um, Do you see what I mean? Um, Media, um, if that's separate from promotion, connecting with, like, the, um, the... external media Um, and and, I mean that's a pretty good little list I've given you there isn't it I mean there might be some other things uh, distribution you know or or something Um, but uh, but this is really helpful because again it shows you how everyone relates to everyone else shows you all the jobs that you need to recruit for um, or shows you all the jobs you're doing just by even seeing by me doing this I'm now taking off this hat of visionary leader and overseer and owner of the idea, and now I'm putting on the promotions hat, that's just a helpful thing for you to be conscious of. I'm, I'm doing five roles. And that almost pushes you to realise, hang on, is there any of these roles I could delegate? You know, if someone asks for help, you can look at that list and go, well, here's the list. All right, are you good at any of those things? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? You can farm it out. But it also helped us, as I said, that it helps people know how they relate to each other so that, uh, you know, media and promotions and registration have a lot of overlap. You know, and so they need to connect with each other a lot. Those who look after participants, those who look after judging, those who look after prizes, those who look after transport accommodation, you know, they're all related, you know, and they need to work out who talks to each other and who kind of, at what point, if you like, does someone uh, become your problem? You know, while we're on transport, the people are my problem, but once we enter meals, the, the meal person, that's your problem, you know, that, that kind of handovers of who's responsible for what. Um, uh, and in that process then, having clear people who are in charge of communication and as few as possible. Keep people who are in charge of communication as a few as possible. If you're going on part of a skating trip um, and you're getting emails from four different people about different stuff, it just gets confusing. Even just keeping track of whether you've replied to everything. Way better to actually, behind the scenes, have a, one funnel point where the transport person communicates to the trip organiser, hey, we need this information for transport. And then the trip organiser communicates everything, including the questions from transport and the dietary requirement or questions from the food guy. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, another factor that um, that Frank really helpfully raises in his um, skate trip article, wherever that is, is... Um, is actually, I mean, he talks about it in terms of making sure the women are looked after, the ladies and the girlfriends and the wives. Um, but yeah, I think it is helpful to have sort of someone who's got an eye on any kind of minority group um, who could get screwed over in the process. Now, often it's women in a male dominated sport, it can also be kids and underages uh, or overages <laughs> if you have older people participating, um, things like that. Um, can can just be really helpful to just just at least have that as a checklist item to go, hang on a second, have we considered those issues? Um, uh, yeah, so the budget, the master document, the, and then the job descriptions. Um, they're kind of coming out of those areas. You then need to just kind of... And again, these, don't, these could just be two bullet points, you know, <laughs> and an unformatted document. I'm not talking about elaborate things, but just some checkpoint of going, this is what you're in charge of, this is how long roughly it will take, this is what resources you have, what you need to run by us before you go ahead and do. Um, and, and those things often develop over time. The first year it is just three bullet points, but at the end of the time, if you're going to do the thing again, you ask the person who did the thing, could you write down all the things um, that you did that could be repeated next time, you know? Um, and, uh, and slowly those things slowly grow, you know? So you learn from last time and you contribute next time. Um, and then the last thing, oh, there's many other categories, but one last category is then the stuff from that year or the stuff from that episode or that event or whatever. Um health talent is the dates, the bookings, the invoices, the meal plans, the the, the participant lists, the sponsor lists, the stuff. Stuff doesn't get filed. It just lives with the people who did it the previous year or just lives in your interest, I don't know, or whatever. But seeing that separate from that, the to-do list and the guidelines... And it's the stuff, it's the historical data. But I tell you what, when you come into something new, running a new event, new expo, a new trip for the first time, gosh, you can going to look what happened last year. Um, just Even if, if you can get uh, also the person um, uh, um, to write a little report, but I wish I did next time, so helpful. Um, Yeah, I reckon that's enough for now. I hope that's helpful. Please share your experiences and your hot tips and life hacks in this area because we want to do more stuff and we want to do that stuff in a way that's positive, that makes people want to do it again next time too. All right, see you later.
0: Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We are also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon, even just $2 a month. Every little bit helps.